Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the February 27th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December of 2018, we have featured over 145 poets, in 17 countries on five continents, and we hope to continue to do that with your support. And you can support us by going to poetsandmuses.com forward slash donate and donate via either PayPal or your preferred credit cards. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, Mosh. Hi, Mosh. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I feel honored to be here. Me too. I'm really glad you chose to chat with us. Before we get into your poem, which you brought with you today, Horde, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a user experience, user interface designer presently. That's what I, I do for a living, what I'm trying to do for a living. Mm. I'm also a poet, more or less. I recently started or recently embarked on a journey of sharing my art, I mm. think a month and a half ago. So I'm Relatively new to the game, but I'm just happy you heard my words one time, which was literally the first time I've ever performed. I felt like it was something I needed to share with the world, so I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I'm always curious about how people, you know, there are the people who have published tons and tons and they're famous for their poetry. Um, At the same time, there are so many people who are writing poems on their own and perhaps they only started sharing after writing for a long time so i was wondering when did you actually start writing poetry probably i started writing about let's say five probably six years ago now mm. and the reason for that was you know and people always used to say to me oh you have a way with words mm. you have a way with words and i used to always say yeah yeah you probably <laughs> Or something, or just saying that to be nice. And eventually, I decided to put pen to paper one time. And I think I was writing and was was not necessarily anything poetic, but it was literally an apology letter that I was writing to someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know those messages you basically write down in your notes. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down an apology message in my notes, and I sent it, and that literally was the tiny pebble that caused the avalanche into my writing. Okay, cool. Would you consider that your first poem? No. Okay. No, I think my first piece would have come in probably about <laughs> some months afterwards, like when I really had to ex- express my feelings more or less. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anyone I, I could speak to more or less because that's how, that's why and how I write anyway. When mm-hmm. I start feeling, let's say, sometimes I don't understand how I'm feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, my mind would be foggy for a bit. I know I'm feeling something, mm-hmm. but I don't know what it is exactly I'm feeling. Then mm-hmm. something like a tiny metaphor, something just click in my brain and say, okay, this is what it is. This is what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll literally have to just sit down and start writing and I write, 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 write. And when I write, find myself understanding myself the more I write, the more, the more words I put down on the page, the clearer my thoughts become, more or less. Mm. So, okay. First time was, it, it's more cliche to say this now, it's more so cliche or more or less to say this to where they say men aren't allowed to express themselves emotionally. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. You are allowed, but you're just afraid of how people look at you afterwards. You know? <laughs> so I probably was feeling all these things at once, and it was literally a case of do I tell my friends how I'm feeling, or they just literally tell me to man up? I don't want someone to tell me to man up, so let me just write this down here once and for all and forget about it. Mm. And that's how my first piece was born. Okay, okay. That's great. Yeah, I, I think. 
there is an expectation from society towards how men can express themselves. And I feel like for men, it's a narrower avenue. They're only... I think for, for men and women, it's different, right? For women, yeah. it's like if we show anger, you know, it's like we stabbed a statue of Jesus in a church or something. <laughs> for, for men, I think if you express softer feelings, sadness, especially showing those uh, anguish or, or in ways that are not, not anger and uh, softer emotions, I feel like society tends to shame men for doing it that way. We're free to be, we're free to exhibit emotions like unexpressions that inspire or imbue violence. Mm. And those are the emotions we're allowed free range, free range to, to roam in or to to dwell in it more or less. But the softer sides, emotions, it's hard for us to, or well, not necessarily hard, even though it is hard when you grow up when you. When you're growing up, they tell you not to cry, you're a man, things like that. Right. So when you grow up, you don't express those feelings. And the men who do, uh, generally, you either laugh with them when they cry, like afterwards, you say, oh, you're really crying, man. You laugh with them or at them. But mm. in the end, it's the laugh, more or less. And not everyone can handle being laughed at or with mm-hmm. at their own expense. So that's why it's hard for men to express sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the sense, you know, from when you were young to when you get older, it's, it's always been said to you that you shouldn't do it that way. So you don't, it's difficult. Then the people around you, they were brought up similarly, right? If they were told also that you shouldn't cry as a boy, and then they don't know how to handle it either. So then it becomes humor or anger or something else that makes the person whose feelings we're already hurt, even more hurt. I think we do a lot of burying of our emotions. And I think that's ultimately what my piece was about, more or less, burying emotions. I think we'll come to that later on. But I think most of the time, we just end up burying how we feel on terror. We bury it so much, we explode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of that's what ends up happening with that. Hopefully, we just, we don't get to that point, more or less. That's the goal, more or less. And I think I found a loophole where to express my emotions, I just speak, speak excessively in metaphors. So that I <laughs> never say how I feel. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. In, indirect conversations and also it's definitely one way of doing it as well. Just bringing it back a little bit to what you said before. Do you write both prose and poetry? Yes, I do. I think the problem is I'm generally a lazy person. <laughs> deep down, at my very lazy. So initially, I wanted to be a writer. And I said, at some point, I was writing, writing. I wrote like, I've been like four prologues. Mm. Then at some point, I was writing a book once. And I, was, I just said to myself, this is long. We need to find something shorter than this to express ourselves. So... <laughs> Poetry just came to my mind, so we might as well do that because <laughs> it doesn't have to be more than three pages max. Let's just do that one because it's, it's shorter. You don't need that much attention, like because my attention span is very, very abysmal. Uh-huh. So it's like for me to sit down and actually honk out like pages and pages and pages of stuff. Right. I probably wouldn't yeah, because how I write is more or less how I feel. Mm. So that translates into the words that I put down. So I, I bleed out my my feelings through the keyboard or my pen. Right. So, so yeah, I do write prose as well. Okay. So I think this is a good time for you to read your poem Horde for us, and then we can talk about it. Horde, you have seen puddles. You have decided they are shallow, never deep. You have decided the bottom can't be far from the surface. You are right, most times. Everything may be as they seem, but what if I've written so much in my eyes and to my ears have spoken too many words, but I was wrong. All that I've said only skimmed the surface of the ocean of my thoughts. All that I've met is lost. 
did you understand? I see now that you did not, could not. Forgive me, I was afraid. I did not want you to see. How could I immerse in these debts? Surely that's cruelty. Oh, I'm afraid. Afraid that you will survive in these debts. But no. All that is my cowardice. I'm not ready to be exposed. Laid bare. Jump over this puddle, I'm not ready for company. So I remain at the bottom, together with all that I've drowned. All the treasure I refuse to reveal. But it's all useless. I sit here, guarding my hoard, waiting for the brave. Thank you. I really enjoy reading this poem, as painful as it is. So I was wondering when you wrote this. You say painful. Yeah, it is kind of painful. I don't mean the reading process was painful, but I feel like there's a lot of pain in there. Yeah, well, I think at the time I did write it, yes. Quite frankly, yes. Um, I think I wrote it from a place where I didn't understand why I wasn't like expressive, more or less. So I would basically feel certain things and I want to express them and I would basically find myself saying everything in my head and only saying a sentence, a sentence or two, but deciding I've also said too much. Mm. I've exposed too much of myself by basically just expressing these two sentences from probably a full-blown conversation I've had with myself in my head. Mm. So, and it also felt like I wanted the person to ask me and basically actually try and con- cajole the words out of me, more or less. Like, you know, I have a snake charmer and the person's just basically <laughs> throwing a, f- a snake to come out. I reached out, I was basically in a space where I wanted people to ask me mm. to say what talk to me I actually speak to not the normal how are you I'm fine which I by saying I'm fine sometimes to now so people can ask and actually say oh what do you mean I'm saying, Cause I can't be fine all the time mm-hmm. sometimes I'm fine sometimes yeah. yeah so that was let me I think best way would be for me to so yeah it came to a point where it's not like I'm just not saying enough to me, I'm saying too much. I don't know if you understand why. I mean. Yeah, so I mean, I, I feel just like... Came, came. Go on. I can go on and on about my piece, but I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get it. Because sometimes when, especially when we're in conversation, right, Where wherever we are, if we're at a social gathering or something, people are uh, engaging in small talk. So you have no idea whether or not they're truly interested in what yeah. you really have to say um, exactly yeah exactly exactly and i think we find our muses in different things as you said and you can find your muse could be tv cars um friendship either big romantic friendships or platonic friendships things like that mm-hmm. so i'm not afraid to speak to my probably platonic friends deeply mm-hmm. about my emotions where my metaphors that I said I speak in will probably be less convoluted. It will be more of a direct mm-hmm. analogy or metaphor. But if it was a romantic situation, I'll be basically being around the bush to say, why don't you get what I'm saying to you? <laughs> Even though I'm not saying why me. <laughs> so more so that version of expression and that's what predominantly what orders about where I felt like I've, I've said enough for you to understand and if you don't if you really care you do your damnedest to dive into the ocean and come to see me hmm. okay so based on what you just said does that mean that this particular poem was written for a romantic interest uh, mm. It is applicable to both romantic and platonic. But I think at this point in time, because it was such a lot, I, I know for a fact it was in a space where I was, I think I was speaking to a particular woman and she wasn't, well, I wasn't usually sad. If I'm being honest, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the piece says, I wasn't literally saying anything. I, I was just basically saying, I was responding because I was afraid of expressing how I truly felt. 
mm. quote unquote. Mm. So, so that's why I said I sit here guarding my heart because I just felt like my emotions had to be guarded because I didn't want a scenario where you know how you just it's it's more like a what's that what's that word what's the phrase is it just a self-preservation tactic more or less mm. where I want the scenario where I've, I've basically laid my soul there for you to see and you're telling me what I'm saying to you doesn't matter more or less or mm. holds no weight or can sway you in a way mm. so yeah doesn't mean that I mean even from the lines of your poem I wonder if by the time that you wrote this poem you had already decided that she was not the person or not the sort of person that you would want to reveal your depth to that's a good question a good question I think everyone is stuck in some form of romantically where basically doing the same things romantically expecting the same results which Einstein would classify as insanity <laughs> by the way but, but we all we all engage in it so I think the answer to be to that would be even though I didn't recognize the person might be not might not have been good for me but unquote, would probably be I still didn't care more or less I still wanted the person to to basically actually try and basically meet me halfway not even halfway because if you follow what i just read read out loud it's, it's probably 790 or let's let me be saying and say 70 30 30 on my part and 70 on theirs because i just feel like my emotions to myself in my head are so grandiose and so large the way they feel to me i shouldn't be the one if you're expressing them if you have no issues expressing your emotions and help me express me more or less mm. help me express how I mm. okay. so. there's a turn in this poem right because what was really interesting about the beginning is that it seems like the person had misjudged you or at least to you the person misjudged you and mm. it feels like at some point in the middle of the poem this poem is in three stanzas. The first two are quite short. The third one uh, is where I feel like the turn happens, where you decide, eh, I'm actually not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm actually not going to show you. <laughs> exactly. So in the writing of this poem, did you decide that this was not the person for you? Mm, no, because I think this, <laughs> I think what I decided with this was um, the decision I came to because um, with the imagery I was trying to paint was I tried to paint a picture of someone who you, we, we all know what Atlantis is we all know what Atlantis and mm -hmm. how and we all know about buried treasure and all the, um, you watch the Discovery Channel and they tell you about some ancient ship that sunk probably about 300 years ago. Mm -hmm. Chunks of gold from Portugal or something. And that was, that was literally what I was trying to, to basically paint. I was trying to paint uh, a picture of someone who basically didn't seem like, you know, when you take you see something that, like I started with a puddle and I basically said you've seen puddles and decided to be a shallow, not deep because you see a puddle and you're not really sure how deep the puddle is, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you're driving or taking a walk, you just assume that, oh, it's just a tiny puddle, it'll be fine. Then you take a plunge, boom. Mm -hmm. You've sunk in, you know, if part of my French, then you say the F word, then you're like, okay. <laughs> then you sink. Right. Then you sink and you, I start to paint a picture of like sinking and when you finally sink. So at the end of the day, I decided the person would be for me if they took the plunge. Mm -hmm. So it's conditional. Yes. Okay. In that case, then it sounds like you are waiting for her to be brave 
uh, and take that plunge. Since that's the case, have you shown her the poem? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Why would I do that? <laughs> involved in um, in many ways in, in exposing your feelings for someone right because it, you're saying a lot in this poem in the turn again you talked about forgive me I was afraid I did not want you to see how could I immerse you in these in these depth surely that's cruelty uh, or I'm afraid Afraid that you will survive in these depths. These are two different perspectives, right? And yeah. Have you decided yeah. which one you're more afraid of? I think for me, they come equal, they're equally scary, more or less, because there's the fear of expressing all that you are. And the person basically turns away and says, this is too much. Mm -hmm. There's also the fear of the person actually saying this is enough and now you must be faced with the commitment <laughs> the person presents. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you express yourself, if you go to someone and you say, oh, I really love you, I'm in love, blah, blah, blah. And they say to you, oh, I don't feel the same way. Or let me even let me put in this, 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 this way would be best. This would be the best way to, to, to explain. It's like proposing, you know. Mm. It's the fear of proposing. And when you propose, the person says no, you're afraid of that happening. Then if you say yes, the person does say yes, now you have to live with the fact that you might be married to this person for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so I was basically on those two fears about am I too much to these emotions that I might show you or express to you or let's say the, the way I feel on a day-to-day -day, like you know sometimes you might wear a smile but inside you're dying and only a few people express those emotions to mm -hmm. so I'm like how would you feel to know that I get sad too mm -hmm. You know, will you be able to handle that? Sometimes I get depressed or something, and how do you handle that? Mm. At the same time, what if you can handle? That's how I feel sometimes. What if you can handle that? Sometimes I have, I have dark thoughts, and I think about doing dark things. And now I'm faced with the fact that I have someone who actually cares. You know, mm. and that's why I spoke of being a coward, more or less, because. There are two possibilities, and I'm equally afraid of both of them, so I'm stuck. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You are stuck in this poem. You are <laughs> stuck. How do you feel? Yeah. When did you say you wrote this again? I think I wrote this in 2016. No, probably 2015. I think 15. 2015. 15, yeah. Wow. Okay, so it's, it was uh, very new. I mean, like, at the very beginning of you starting to write um, your poems. So, so uh, six years on, how do you feel? Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, this still rings true, except now I'm more expressive. Mm. And even though I'm more expressive, I still live with, um, with the fear of um, person accepting 
Right. It's more like, you know, the game of chicken, more or less. Mm. So I ended up playing the game of chicken where I express these feelings and I look them dead in the eye. And I'm like, pick your choice. Are you staying or are you leaving? <laughs> so, so that's where I am at the present. At the present, it's more me expressing myself and basically saying to them, yeah, that's what it is. Are you going to join me? Are you going to find out more? Or are you going to leave? Either way, I'm cool. Mm. Mm. That's where I am. I'm, I'm less afraid of the results. Mm. Do you feel like your six years of writing these thoughts down, your feelings down, have helped you in, in getting to that point? Of course, of course, of course. Because you know how it's like watching a really good movie and leaving the cinema understanding why you hate your job. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you see the play out and you're like, oh, I get it now. I get it. This is why I feel like this. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly exactly how I feel every time I write. So it's more, every, I think everyone who writes understands it feels like therapy sometimes where you're wrestling with your emotions, wrestling with your thoughts, and when you put it down, pen to paper, you type it down, you just come to a sudden revelation or understanding of those thoughts because you have to expand on every single word you put down. Mm. And because you're basically searching your mind for understanding and you come to that understanding by yourself. Mm. That's why sometimes when we speak to people and then we just stop midway and say, you don't get it. You know, mm-hmm. we happen to get it because as poets or as writers, because we have to write down like the poetic personas, feelings work for, and explore them to the end or to the end at which our minds can imagine. Mm-hmm. So if you have something in your mind or you have, let's say, a, a character that you basically created in your mind, mm-hmm. you must take the character from point A to point B. And because you've taken the character on that journey, you've somehow unraveled how you feel because you're living through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for me, the more I write, the more the more expressive I become because I realize no one can read your mind and it's, it's helping me to be a better person, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. or to be more on. To generally be more understanding, to understand that, to understand that everyone's wrestling with something, mm-hmm. you know, and to be kind and just to understand that sometimes, even if you don't predominantly care, quote unquote, if someone says to you, because we notice, we, we generally notice when someone might not be fine, mm-hmm. and people literally just want someone they can speak to. Mm-hmm. Because I recognize, I recognize that feeling in myself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Then I basically stretch my hand and or stretch my ears out and say, "Oh no, talk to me." Mm-hmm. And I try and even though they don't know, I'm stealing their information to basically build characters in my head <laughs> and to understand <laughs> and to understand how I feel or how I feel if I'll happen to be in their scenario. So I listen to them and basically speak and understand how they feel by airing out their thoughts as well. So mm. those six years, I've become a therapist to myself mm-hmm. and I've become a great listener. That's great. That's great. Because I, th- I think there yeah. are writers out there who you know, have this capability of self-exploration through their writing, whether poetry or prose. But unfortunately, that's where they stop. They don't necessarily extend that to someone else. Unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily grow their empathy. So I think think you've done... um, (laughs) <laughs> you've gone an extra step although of course with your your confession just now that you're just stealing other people's stories I don't know 
<laughs> because at the end of the day, I don't think Shakespeare lived that many lives. True, it's true. <laughs> um, I think that's a great listener. Yeah, yeah, one hopes. I, I think there are there are some people who are, are incredibly creative and imaginative. At the same time, if we only live within our four walls, um, it is very difficult to, you know, produce genuine or reproduce genuine experiences the way that um, other people can relate to. So I think probability-wise, you're right. You would be right. It's hard to conjure up real emotion without expressing them. How yeah. can you describe a kiss if you've never kissed before? You know, it's mm -hmm. going to fall back, more or less. Yeah, yeah. The imagination can only so go so far. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I'm so curious now, and I will ask you afterwards, like, which one of your poems are more recent. <laughs> so, I'm... I'm this is wonderful, especially for a beginner's poet, Poem. I mean, it's wonderful. Not either way. It's <laughs> I think after writing this one, I think that's when I said, "Okay, we might be good at this." <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Think, it's good that you caught on to that. That's good. Yeah, like this might be the one. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I, I think it's it's that exact sort of emotional quality. The the sense of also fear of um, whether or not we wanna we wanna reveal ourselves is what I latched onto when I sent you my poem facing the sun. So I'm gonna read that and then we can talk about it. Perfect. I am woman. I will exclaim followed by the roar of a vindicated lioness and cast off the cloak of pretense and fear I've been forced to wear. The terms of this long-sought victory I've pondered in the months of drudgery, of mental anguish, of weighty weariness, of relived nightmares, chasing as an unshakable shadow attached but not to be grasped, hidden from sunlight, yet returns all too fast without direct spotlight, or times angled oblique to permit corners to peek with umbras of the past. This I'll yank from its roots, buried to reach a profundity and span unimagined as they seem the stuff of legends for the irrational but all too real, and lodge securely into the very foundations of this pretend community though it will be unearthed, and the rank ugliness will turn its rotten cheeks as worms churn the soil for concealed depth to emerge, to face the judgment excavated for plain view. Wow. This was very powerful. From the first, from the first stanza, when I read the first stanza, I was, I said, okay, I know what this is. I said, I know what this is. I said, let me see where she takes me with this. So just listening or basically reading this and finally hearing you read it out to me, it's, it's, it's even more powerful. And I really can't wait to, to, to delve into it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. The one that basically strikes to me, and what I like when I'm reading, and this is the beauty of, you know when you were, you had literature when you were in school mm -hmm. and your literature would basically tell you what the the, the writer of the poem was basically trying to say. Mm -hmm. And you're like, mm, how do you know? <laughs> so thankfully, I have you here to tell me exactly what you're trying to say in the, in the third stanza. Because I have an idea in my mind, but I don't want to, I want to fully understand Mm. I have to think about it because it's been a while, a few months. I forget how long it's been, almost a year maybe, since I wrote this poem, maybe even longer. How long ago did you say? It's been longer than a year. Okay. So how many, spitball, like how many pieces do you have? Over a thousand. Oof. You are amazing. <laughs> I've been writing a long time, so. 
I've been doing fits and starts uh, this time since 2016. From 2016, so you combined since 2016, I have a thousand pieces. Yeah. Oh my God, you you are a powerhouse. <laughs> you are a powerhouse of art. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's two years ago that I, I wrote this. To ask me a question, I think it actually has two meanings here. One is the justice that I've been searching for, uh, which I haven't gotten. And the other one is the haunting of uh, the past event for which I am seeking justice. Because the imagery is really profound. So I was wondering, like, what was she trying to say with this? Like, I can I can see the picture in my head. But I think every every artist is trying to paint a picture anyway. With words, with paints, whatever. We're just trying to create a picture or create an image. Mm-hmm. So I could see the image, but I didn't know. It's, like, it took me to a different realm from the two stands that I read before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think it was? From the two first two standards, I got a woman basically claiming a rightful place in society, even though that wasn't given to her. Basically coming out and saying, look, I'm here, stop pretending like I'm not great. I'm not your equal, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes society puts women in the back seat, you know, in the background, and First two stanzas basically said to me, look, I'm fighting for, I'm claiming what's mine. I am your equal, you know, and that's why I, I love the fact that you used the lioness there. Because at the end of the day, we all know how a lion is seen as the king of the jungle, but it's the lioness that does most of the work. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I got that from that one. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but so that, that basically just set the tone of everything. And when I joined, jumped into chasing an unshakable shadow, attached but not to be grasped, hidden from sunlight, yet returns all too fast without a direct spotlight. And even the way you wrote this, I can't stop at any point, basically, to say stop reading. Like, everything is just flowing. So I'm trying to break the sentence. And if I break a sentence, I feel like I've wronged the piece. So, mm. what time is it? And the need to permit Conant honors to peak with honors of the past. So what I got from that, I thought it was more also how, like you said, chasing that some shape will shadow. More or less how they try to basically not give you what it is that is your right or your rightful place in society, but they can't do without you more or less. You know how I to give an analogy of a man saying it's a man's world but still needed no wife you know, <laughs> or things like that. Mm. So I, I felt that they're trying to say with Chasey as an unshakable shadow, where they're trying to basically put you in the back seat. And you're saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm your shadow. I'm here. There's nothing you can do about this. Like, I'm, I'm unshakable. Yeah. And when you said, oh, go on. I, I think there's definitely that feeling, right? Because... Whenever injustice happens, it's because the justice system doesn't view the person that it's overpassing as an equal, as deserving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like I like the fact that the imagery is, is such is so well done that it can mean so many things at once. And that's why that's why I made reference to like your literature teacher telling me this is what it means, but and you're like, mm, are you sure? <laughs> so hearing from from your mind and your lips that this is what that means, where whereas you're chasing justice and it's basically a slippery eel between your hands, it does paint a better better picture. It even makes the rest of the piece flow better now. Like I understand it more. Mm. That makes more sense. Yeah. Like, I understood but now I understand more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, as you said previously, about 
you know, taking English literature, right? Usually we're reading someone who's either unavailable to comment or dead. So (laughs) we have to kind of play detectives as to what the meaning is. Um, And depending on the poet's author's or author's intent, sometimes it's the pieces are inscrutable because there are poets who are intentionally vague. Even this particular piece, there are places where it's intentionally vague. Mm, yeah, and I think that speaks to me because I'm someone who basically likes to hide behind imagery and metaphors and not say exactly how I feel. <laughs> Instead of telling someone, telling someone, I hate you, I'll probably write about thunderstorms for five pages. <laughs> Wait, about what? Sorry, it didn't come through. It's not clear what you said. Right about like uh, thunderstorms or Tottenham for five five pages, Tottenham football team more or less. <laughs> particular football team that I absolutely detest for five pages. <laughs> Instead of just coming outside to say I dislike the person. <laughs> so. Ah, that's good. You're giving us a key to you. <laughs> so I understand, I understand what you mean by basically just hiding behind these metaphors and analogies. Mm. I like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So this is our yang from its from its roots. Very to reach a prof- profundity and stand on imagined as they seem, as they see the stuff of legends for the rational, but also the real. I take it this is you taking your justice the yanking yes and also the exposure of what happened because so far i haven't been able to so so far the shadows have been buried very deep and also talking about the corruption um Mm. that's involved the corruption because corruption is usually buried very deep and people who are colluding together they usually don't do it out in the open they usually hide it so you kind of have to dig through layers of you know people not telling you exactly what they want uh, because what they want is unacceptable to society uh, unethical immoral with the shadows and basically hitting from sunlight and those keywords there, are you also revealing these things to yourself? Like these are thoughts you've actually buried in, in the corners of your mind or the depths of your mind that you've not expressed. But now you're basically, as you're fighting for justice, you're coming to terms with these thoughts. So I felt like that's another angle that this could be looked at. I don't know why that came to my head right now. I think but I felt like angle you're going with as well. I I don't think when I wrote this I went that way. I do think that is a very reasonable interpretation of the words because often we are not necessarily transparent to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not that we are purposely hiding things, right? But just as you do with your poem you use your poetry, you use your writing to better understand yourself because a lot of our thoughts and feelings many times go unexamined, especially if we have a busy life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. If, if that's fine, do you mind telling me what, what it is that happened that you're seeking justice from? Oh. That's the, unfortunately, I cannot. <laughs> um, That's fair enough. I, I, I can tell you offline, but I can't really. Yeah, that's fine. This is because as much, even though that's not even really necessary to, to the piece, because anyone can attach what it is they're seeking justice from, be it the guy who stole the last piece of um, bread from the fridge or someone who's, who stole your yogurt at the, the fridge at work or something, that can be something you're seeking justice from. So if anyone <laughs> can find 
<laughs> well, I, I really hope it's not. No one will write a poem like this about that because I think that 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 reveals much more about how much that person will hold a grudge than anything else. Or the person really likes their yogurt, more or less. <laughs> Either one of them. Wait, so you would write a poem? You would write a poem like this because if somebody took your yogurt? Mm, I, I'll plead the fifth. Say <laughs> <laughs> about hungry men being angry somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've heard of the term hangry, right? Hangry, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I've known I mean, a few of those people, and you don't want to mess with them <laughs> during lunchtime. <exactly. laughs> yeah. So I think women have hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, and men have um, a hungry man is an angry man. <laughs> I think there's a side of the same coin somehow. <laughs> So well. Yeah. Well, so, that's good to know about you. Another another key to you. I I like this. I like where we're going with this conversation. I think I will. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Please, 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 please. Uh, I plead the fifth, like I said before. So if we look at the if we look at the last answer, <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I promise, I promise the listeners, this is not factual. I, this is a persona that I'm wearing for the day. That's not who I am. That's not. Just don't take my yogurt. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't take, don't <laughs> take Moshe's yogurt. Everybody's warned now. Everybody's warned. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it. So now. <laughs> You're basically taking me out entirely. I'm trying to reel myself back in, but I'm laughing so much. <laughs> My eyes are watering. <laughs> I'm laughing too much. Oh, the back of my head is hurting from laughing. Oh my god. <laughs> well, so you said, um,. <laughs> And lodged securely into the very foundations of this pretend community, though it will be unearthed, and the rank ugliness will turn its rotten cheeks as warm as worms churn the soil for concealed depth to emerge to face the judgment excavated for plain view. Oh my god, you see it? Yeah? This last, this last angle, I just read, where you're exposing the and the value of the unjust justice system. Basically showing the world. You know that scene in Black Panther where he basically drones Chala and he, he asks, is this your king? I think you're doing that with the justice system here, basically saying, is this your justice? Mm. I don't know if you've seen Black Panther. I'm trying to think yes. back to... Hmm. I love that movie. I've seen it twice. <laughs> in the in the theater twice because it needs to be seen in the theater. <laughs> wow. Okay, that that's real love. I could never. The only movie I've seen in the cinema twice is um, Infinity War. Oh my god! What? I saw that movie. No, twice. no. And I had no like. I had to watch it. I watched it the first time. After watching the first time, I had to go back in again. I watched it the second time, and I was like, this is insane. Like, how am I still still feeling these emotions from seeing this again? But anyway, we digress. No, no, no. So We're gonna, no, no, no. We're going to get into this argument because I can't let you get away with that. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think of all the MCU movies, and I haven't seen all of them, I admit, I think Black Panther is the most well-rounded film uh, of that uh, MCU universe. Well, actually, is X, uh, X-Men part of MCU? I forget. No, it's not, unfortunately. Not, now it is, but it wasn't before. Okay, really yeah. I think X-Men First Class is one that I really love. I think maybe Wolverine, yeah. the, the first origin story, not the one where he was in Japan, which was totally racist. But yeah, like Black Panther, X-Men First Class, 
uh, maybe one of the, the origin Wolverine story, I think. I have to go back to that. But yeah, I like I cannot believe you did not you did not go see Black Panther twice, whereas you saw Infinity War twice. I can't I can't explain it to you, honestly. I think I think because I think Infinity War is a culmination of everything so far. Mm. And just the way it ended, I was like, yo, no way. I had to jump back into the cinema and I went to watch it again. The Black Panther, I saw it the first time and I was like, okay, this is a really good movie. But wait for this to touch the, the streaming platforms or something. I'm not paying to watch this again. Like, I did enjoy it. I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoyed the movie for hardly, but there's certain things I didn't enjoy. I'm not really a, like, I love, I don't love him. I like Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. But he's not like you know because I from the from the way the movie was done, I knew Michael B. Jordan was a one-off character. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I took away from the, from the from the experience of the film because yeah. we watch because the character Killmonger isn't supposed to die, quote unquote, like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's like me knowing there's no way. They're going to get Michael B. Jordan to come back to do a second part. That took away from the film, from mm. the film for me. Mm. Well, we don't know, unfortunately, with um, uh, Chadwick Boseman's death, what would happen. Yeah. I was I was actually watching because uh, I need a, a break, so I was watching a bunch of MCU analysis videos, and they were talking about. Uh, there's definitely part two, but they don't know who's going to be back, right? They were talking about the his, his general maybe taking the role, I think. Um, but I wonder if, because, you know, they're, they're just, they're writers. They can write anybody back into life. I mean, even the comics in, itself, nobody seems to ever die permanently. Exactly, exactly. That, that's a fact, though. But my problem is, I like, like because Marvel, yeah, have done such a great, done a great job of continuity, more or less, where they have the same characters for about ten movies. You know, mm-hmm. because of that, I've fallen in love with that continuity because that's why I don't really like DC, where you're watching this movie and the next movie, you're not sure if Batman is the one to Batman. So, <laughs> I could be Jordan being such an A-list. The quote unquote. I just felt like he was like a more of a gimmick. Mm. You know, didn't feel like someone who they'll be bringing back for part two, or part three, or part four. Mm. Quote unquote. Mm. Because I can tell that their wage bill was getting a really, really, really too hefty for them. I could tell they had too many aliases on book on their books already. You can't have a movie with Lupita, Chadwick Bosman, Michael B. Jordan, and do a part two with those same three characters like. And Daniel Kuluyo now, so it's like you can't have four megastars in the same film. You know, like uh, fiscally, it doesn't seem feasible to me. Like to me personally, but but Avengers I had think, all of those megastars. I mean, it's it's basically that's, why they had that's exactly why they had to kill off um, Steve. Uh, they killed kill, kill off Captain America, Iron Man. They, they had to get rid of certain people because the wage bill was getting too much. No, I, I feel like I'm hoping, okay, my fingers are crossed that that they did the handoff, not because of that so much, because they generate plenty of revenue to pay these people. I think it's more because, well, A, there is a factor of aging. There, there's no doubt about that. So that's why every 10 years they, they kind of, you know, bring in new blood. Um, but B, I'm hoping it's because of all the protests, because it is so damn white and male. <laughs> like, I am hoping it's because of that, that they finally are bringing in some female protagonists and they they finally did Black Widow. But I, I want to see more and I want to see, they finally have Chong Shi, I think, but that itself is problematic because... I am sick and tired of seeing East Asian people portrayed in some kind of kung fu movie. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Sorry. 
Yeah, I doubt. I, I have to agree with that one still. Like, why can't it just be like, why must all of them know Kung Fu somewhere? Some right. shit before. You just have a guy going to a normal high school, some ninja appears and says, oh, it's time, master. Like, no. I just want to go surf, surfing or something. Like, relax. I don't need to be the chosen one master or something. Like, it's, 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 it's long. It's yeah. long. So I, I feel that. Right. And also, why... Why can't their superpowers be something that's not stereotypical, right? Like, why can't they just, why can't they be Spider-Man or Spider-Woman? You know, like, I don't, I don't understand this, this, like, trap that the MCU writers seem to be stuck in. And I think it's a lack of imagination. It is, but I think a lot of it is, we, we tend to forget that. 100, not even like 90%, 100% of these things were written when everyone was basically prejudiced. Like, that's when all these things were written, more or less. They were not written where it's, we're more inclusive, they had inclusive thoughts. Everything was written based on a stereotype, more or less. That's why, if you look at the way they even drew the female characters and the male characters, the female characters, you don't need to be they're overly sexualized for being honest but that's just the way things were you know well and see, because i don't i don't necessarily agree with that because at the same time right star trek happened so yeah. i don't i don't think uh it was yes it, it was a dominant culture back then that People were more like more likely to be thinking in these stereotypical terms. At the same time, um, it's not homogenous. There were people who were willing to, you know, break those color barriers um, in Star Trek. Uh, unfortunately, not the sexist barriers because Star Trek uniforms for women were just atrociously short. I mean, there were like mini skirts and go-go boots. At the same time. They were the women were still holding high positions of power. So I think you definitely see trends at the same same time. I think there are there were people who were willing to break those barriers. They weren't able to always get through, unfortunately. But <laughs> but we went on a huge tangent. <laughs> But it still, it still, it still applies somehow, some way. It's a metaphor for something. Uh, it do, it is. It, it is. It is. It is. Uh, it certainly, is. you know, like for, yeah, both are poems, and I think uh, you know, uh, stereotypes, gender stereotypes, definitely uh, apply. Is mm. why it's why I experienced mm. what I did. If mm-hmm. if the justice system was truly equal. Um, if uh, if all of these people who exclaim, uh, who who shout out slogans about gender equality, truly believed in it and truly did what they needed to do to ensure that justice was served equally, then I wouldn't be in the shoes I am. And I think if uh, if people society accepted. Um, men and boys for their ability to express emotions in a full spectrum way um, as women as well, then we wouldn't need to feel like we have to go roundabout, be so fearful of expressing our own emotions. Yeah. You're, you're right. You're really right. Just reading this piece that you've written down here about basically being victorious and exposing the justice system, exposing the un- the unjust. It's really powerful because a lot of people, like I said, this this can apply to so many things. I've never made a joke about it and everything, but it can literally apply to any feeling of injustice, and that's such a that's something I look look to in any piece of poetry that I read or enjoy. I, I want it to be vague and vague, not too vague where I don't know what they're talking about, but vague enough where it could apply to anything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very wonderful, wonderful job of 
painting of the image, a painting of very, very good piece of art that basically says all that needs to be said without being too specific. And it could tie into so, so many aspects of the, of the feminine plight. And uh, even not just the feminine. If, if you take away, if I take away the first, the first standard, you know, mm. it becomes a different piece in time. Mm. You know, I could be, it becomes less gender specific. And even though you can even forget the fact that it's gender specific in the first answer and just accept the poetic persona for what they are, a persona, and just take on that persona. Yeah. It, it's a great to basically you. express yourself. Thank and you. to basically explain, exclaim and shout back at the first, the, the, the powers that be and say, I will expose you know, and I'll try my damnness to do so. I'll become an unshakable shadow. Mm. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate that. I, I'm really glad we had this conversation and also the side conversation about MCU. <laughs> Especially since, since I've been watching so many MCU explainer videos. <laughs> I feel like I needed to talk with somebody about that. <laughs> See, after this conversation, I feel like I'm going to end up watching Infinity War tonight again. No! So that's on you. No! That's on you. That movie does not <laughs> deserve your time. It's just, I mean, I understand it ties up so much, but there's just, there's just so many things wrong with it that I'm just like, ah, I feel like... This is one injustice you're not allowed to review. Just let me have this one, please. Well, fortunately, I'm nowhere near you, so you do what you want. <laughs> I can't stop you. <laughs> no, no, I can just mute the mic and say, no, not listening. <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, my God. In any case, I, I'm, I really enjoy our conversation. And before I let you go, I would love for you to tell us well, first of all, I know you've been going to a bunch of open mics, but do you have any that you would recommend? And also, how do we find you online? Oh, my God. I'll mention the one or the one I did my first ever mic on, which would be BYOB, Bring Your Own Bars. Mm -hmm. Check that out. That's live in London, I think, every fortnight on a Monday. And you got ATL's Word on the Street, which is also... I think it's a new, it's a new platform as well. Mm -hmm. They started, they did their first ever show, I think, two, three weeks ago. That's another good one. And some really, really young and mm -hmm. very, very good poets are in charge of that one as well. So ATL, the word on the street, now that you want to look out for. Mm -hmm. And poetics, and they think that once or twice a month, on Fridays? I'm not sure. There are loads and loads of them. And really good. If you love animals, if you love animals, because it's on a farm, so mm. it's really good if you love animals. So, huh. yeah, other loads of good ones like the Poetry Jam, uh, Mind of a Matter, mm. and some the ones that escape my mind at the present. But loads and loads of them. Mm. And if you're looking, yeah, I'll probably be on instagram which they made me get by the way like the people i met at these shows or people i would be made sure i had an instagram so it'll be m-o-s-h-i-r-u-u i would have said w but i didn't want you to think it's w so it's moshiru m-o-s-h-i-r-u-u okay so two u yeah okay and if you're looking for my Twitter, it will be the same, but one extra use. So that will be Moshiro with three use. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Wow. Oh, it's lovely to be here as well. Very, very lovely to be here. And final plug will be if you're looking for user experience or user interface designer, check out my website, 3PLM. No, 3PLEM.com. Okay. 3PLEM. So, I always forget that. So, there's an E. So, 3PLEM.com. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. Thank you again. Appreciate it. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.